Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I didn't say anything inappropriate before we began. That's not <laughs> believable nor credible. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I was thinking lots of inappropriate things, but that's much better. Oh, I see. Yes. Now, see, okay. Jed was said many inappropriate things, but he also was thinking them. <laughs> that's right. This proves once again that the best lies are couched in a truth. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're getting started with the advice early on this episode. Joining us all the way from our Christian Center City, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Matt, you must find the time to edit this podcast well. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> Sometimes we all sometimes we find out when I get a panicked text from Glenn that I'm the, when I'm in the car <laughs> right. in Kentucky. Yeah, we're all going down. Lee, I believe before we get rolling, you had a specific shout out to a a new but enthusiastic listener to the Say That podcast. Absolutely, we want to shout out to our friend Jose who found the show through our very dear super fan Emmy Job, and uh, so thanks to. Jose, for listening to the show and loving it. We love uh, getting new fans and new listeners all the time. It's awesome. Woot! Woot, woot. Woot, indeed. Well, we do always love hearing from the new listeners. We also love hearing from kind of original vintage super fans, which we also did uh, this pat in the past couple of weeks since our last recording. We have our friend Amanda from the Pacific Northwest up there who sent us in a little message, which... um, there's a lot going on. I'm okay. just going gonna, gonna to read here. So I'm, she I'm says, excited already. So she says, I, I showed my 51-year-old mom an episode of your podcast mm-hmm. that was relevant to something that she was going through, and now she's a Say That Super fan. What? what? <laughs> That's the danger of showing your parents the podcast. Sometimes they get really into it. She talks about your podcast all the time. Of course. Says I should listen to you guys yep. yes. and get out and date more. That's right. That's correct. Way to go, mom. Don't don't listen to these people. Yeah, yeah. That's because Matt's happy. That's right. Have we single. mentioned that Matt's single? I don't know if that's come up recently, but it feels like. Or a good as time Matt to likes to call yeah. it, no one lives at Matt's house. Goes <laughs> <laughs> home and it's quiet and it's lovely. Yeah. And uh, the set uh, setups are not born out of Glenn being jealous of that at all. That's no, right. We can get you bird though, bro. This I mean, we can must get you some stop. <laughs> yeah, Jed's got a bird. That's, that's right. Who is the bird? A bird's fine. Bird's fine. Is so that the bird update? Regular bird check. Yep, bird's great. Bird's fine. Do you do? You, are you finding that you like the bird more now, Jed? Uh, yes, yes. Every day, more and more. I'm I'm growing in in love you, and affection. Do you in fact hate this bird? I don't even know what that word means. With with the white hot heat of a thousand suns, do you not hate this bird who otherwise is happy chewing on your flesh? Glenn. <laughs> The bird is fine. I see. Yes. <laughs> Duly uh, noted. Back to the message. Yeah. That's tangent number four <laughs> in the third sentence of this message. So she said, uh, so she takes the advice, th- thinks I should take your guys' advice, get out, date more. And every week she will text me quotes That's from correct. the podcast. Wow. Nice. Gentlemen, I think it's time to declare a hordes of moms as your fan base emergency. Emergency. Well, look, here's the thing. You know what? If ever there was a phrase you needed to enunciate clearly, it's hordes of moms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know what you're referring to. I don't either. There's mothers. Yes. And they are arriving 
in hordes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Moving on. That's good. Moving good on. Good enunciating. Here's what we're saying. Obviously, we want hordes of anyone as right. our yes. fan base. Uh, that is, we cannot be clear enough. Any horde that yes. wants to move for us. Yes, good that's right. Are you a horde looking for something to be a fan of? We want to submit ourselves this, for your this consideration. This brings up an important right. point, though, because I just don't know. Do hordes sometimes just form? <laughs> And sure. then be, sure. you've heard the phrase, a problem and a solution in search of a problem. Right. Are there like people out there who are just like, well, we got this horde together. Yeah, but they don't know. We what got to... the torches right, and we're right. screaming. We got chance. I feel, I feel like the uh, I feel like the monorail episode of The Simpsons is 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 proof enough that hordes can simply form. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Sure. No, very good. Look to the hordes out there. Here's the thing. Right. We no one has ever liked us before. Right. Like. No one. We're not likable. We're generally. not likable. And so that's no, mostly you and me that I'm talking yeah, it's about. It's definitely Dragging you and the rest me. of us down. And so yeah. this is the thing is uh, we're happy to tell you anything you want to hear if you'll keep on liking us. Right. That's, that's right. So really, you could just dictate what this show is from now on. Right. Write in, say, say the following things. If you're a horde, we'll say them. Sure. Can we increase the amount of, I don't know, bribes, baked goods, money, whatever, that come into us by saying... That uh, Amanda and her mom can kind of duke it out over, you know, what, you know, more dating advice, you know, less dating advice. You know, that we, we could kind of play both angles here. Who is really interested in getting the say that that's custom fitted for their. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At least bring up something I hadn't even thought of. Tell me. Okay, first of all, apparently moms love us. Absolutely. I'm as shocked as anyone. Uh, okay. Uh, and. Off of that, apparently, the pressure that's yeah. coming in right. is we have to be less cool, right? So bombs won't love us, okay? right? Right. We got to hide our light under a bushel. Well, there's maybe, just no way to do that. Maybe a misrepresentation of what our problem is in the first place, but okay. Yeah. I mean, we can't. We can't be less adorable. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've tried. Lord We've knows you've tried. We can't. We cannot be less adorable than this right here. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. This podcast will freely admits that it's prepared to survive entirely on baked goods. Absolutely. Yeah, if you no send question. us baked goods, then that's what, you know, that's what... We won't survive long on baked goods, but those will be very happy days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. if you got your, your basic cookie... Yeah. You know what I mean? Your brownie. Your brownie, etc. Your blondie. Your blondie. Wow. You know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know... If you have other baked good ideas, we don't want sure. to, you know, no. limit you. Yes, we also don't want this show to devolve into 60 minutes of Jed naming desserts. Because <laughs> then we really won't have to worry about fans of any kind. Here's what I'm saying. Is because moms love us, yeah. have we not just hit the mother load wow. on baked goods? The fairly literal wow. mother load. The literal mother load yeah. Yeah. of baked goods. Here's here's the question. Should a man to date more? Well, that really boils down to who sends in more baked goods, doesn't it? I think exactly. it does. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. And here's the deal. Is if we have hordes of moms thinking that we're cool, does that not equal hordes of baked goods arriving yep. via post. Yep. One imagines it does. Yeah. I mean, this feels to me like the dawning of an age that'll never end. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. You it's know, pretty sort fantastic. Of a, a care package like, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. so far the care packages we've gotten, you know, it's it's folks that are, you know, uh in their college years. And look, they're they their baking skills are great. Yeah. yeah. But can those baking skills hold a candle to the baking skills of a mom? 
No, mm-hmm. I, not it's not even mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that we, you know, we have you know, uh, the baked goods that have come into this podcast have always had a lot of hustle. Yes, a lot of heart. Know, you know, a lot yeah. of heart. Yeah. Okay, but when you're talking about a mom level baked yeah. good, well, then that's that's another level. And this raises, of course, can we expand into the grandmother market? Sure, no doubt. I mean, we're gonna have to have some different just different segments. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, but think about the baked goods. Everything Matthew. is yeah. too loud. Think the about the baked goods. <laughs> sure, the many. I mean, it's time to cash in. What y'all. are the best tennis balls for your walker? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. See what I'm saying? We, Everybody uh, at church needs to pull their pants up. That's right. That's this is right. what I'm saying. If, if you will you, come with the baked goods and liking right. us, we'll tell you anything you want to hear. We'll talk well, about if, whatever. We if you're t- going to try that new mega church, you've got to turn the hearing aid down to like 1.5. See, there you go. Well, we are prepared. I think I can say this for the rest of the fellows. If we can get more grandma listeners, yeah. I'm prepared to tuck in my shirt. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is now, saying I want, a lot. I want, you, I want us all to be clear on uh, here at How a Menace is. Things that have not gotten Glenn to tuck in his shirt. Right. Um, rules from the Illinois Department of Corrections. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, wedding etiquette. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> explicit statements from the church he's preaching in front of. Yes, yeah. yeah. These are all things where Glenn has looked at and said, "Nah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep it how it is." I have preached in shorts. Yeah, that has happened. Sure, yes. as you do. You say, "Well, some churches are kind of cool with that." Not the church you're preaching at. Not the ones I'm preaching. I'm, I'm just that's you're doing it at them. Yeah, but if there are some. Some fantastically real egg and butter style baked goods. Yeah, Glenn is willing to put on a nice crisp Oxford. Yeah, tuck it into some chinos. Yep, and listen to your story about how things were better in the forties. Yes, now, I'm going to tell you something else that we're dealing with here. Because here's the main thing that that we we need to be looking at is we uh, the people on this podcast we bring people together. Sure. To have romance. Right, absolutely. And get married. Yes. We have a lot of say that marriages that have happened. Clearly. That's actually true. It's an actual thing. And you know what happens when people get married? Tell me. Babies. No, yes. we're not doing this again. We make babies <laughs> not yeah, true. happen. Yeah, true. This statement okay. is not approved now by you, the editorial directors of the Say That Podcast. You know who likes babies is moms yes. that want to be grandmothers. Yes. That's you get super true. Marry a nice Christian guy. Yeah. Have babies. Yes. That makes grandbabies. Nothing about this podcast leads to babies in this any This podcast makes way. grandbabies no. yeah. send us brownies. No. Yes. Yes. Absolutely yes. not. That's the, that's the new campaign right there. That will not be topped. I think we've arrived at our new marketing slogan and strategy. On that no. basis, I'm prepared to declare a hordes of grandmothers think we're cool emergency off. Well, wow. that's... That went in some dark and terrifying directions. Um, just real quick, I'd like to, because this is my life, and I, I want you people to have a have a a window into it. I'd like to break down what just happened there. We got a very nice um, letter from our friend Amanda, who said I, I, the show helps me so right. much so that I thought I'd pass it on to my mom, and she really likes it too. Yeah. And uh, these two, these depraved uh, geniuses, turned that into 
how do we turn these people against each other yes. for our own baked goods? Yes. Right. But then it was not a full three minutes of scheming on that before they thought, forget moms. Moms are out. We don't need moms anymore. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to grandmothers, which yes. we don't have any of. Yes. Which have never expressed any interest. Yeah. And we so we enjoyed a good two minutes of moms liking us before we decided we they were tired of that. Yeah. And now we needed a new demo. Yeah. Right. And if you're right. wondering why this podcast will never have any real mainstream credibility or that's popularity, why. that's pretty much why. <laughs> that's it. Well, he, here's what I'm saying. We're going to make you a grandmother. That's no. Right. No. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> We're going to make you a no. grandmother. No. You're going to like it, too. Gonna, <laughs> no. If I could just say it in that delivery, no, is that the right delivery? No, that delivery. <laughs> this episode's going to be 38 minutes long. What is wrong with you? I'm well, going to well, cut. Oh, I'll make you a grandmother. I'm going to cut this Believe part me. out and send it to your mother-in-law <laughs> and see how you like saying things on my show. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. I had set up my own pretty smooth transition into Bridgebox, yeah. and mm-hmm. then Glenn got in there, so that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bridgebox comes out every month. Yes. Uh, okay. it, it, the FDA has uh, declared it cannot lead to pregnancy in any way. Okay. Because okay. it just comes via your email. Ah, well. And then you open it, and it's got songs and sermons and devotionals and lots of neat stuff. So we've got the... Uh, We've got September coming up. The videos coming out, and that the topic will be how do I forgive myself? Yeah. So we've got sermons that Glenn and I preached to the bridge. We've got songs from Jed and Lee. We've got uh, more uh, songs from our friends Pete and Todd Lawson. A lot of good stuff, all based around those kind of good topics. Um, we've got people using Bridgebox materials for small groups at churches, for youth ministry outreach. We've got using them for a jail ministry here in Illinois. So a lot of cool stuff. If you want to find out what all that's about, you can head over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox. It's only $8 a month. And even if you don't want to sign up, if you head over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox, you can get some free samples that are yours to keep. All right, we're going to move on to our questions here. If you have a question for us, you can hang out with us all the way to the end, and I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us. First one comes into our Tumblr inbox. It is from our man Ernie Yip. Somebody make a noise and proving, because when I say someone's name, that's what we Woo! do. Woo! Yep. No. We're going to try it again without the 10-second delay. Because here's what's happening. Uh, Glenn's thinking of more grandmother jokes. Yeah, that's correct. So he's not really caught up with us here. That's right. Our first question comes into our Tumblr inbox from our friend, Ernie Yip. Hey, Ernie! There we go. That's an appropriate level of positivity. (laughs) He says... Hello to the Say That guys. What's up, dude? Could you help me to understand 1 Corinthians 5, particularly the verses about removing immoral people from the church and not associating or eating with them? I've had those verses brought up to me before when there were some conflicts in my church group. I feel like it seems harsh to kick people out of church since we're all working on sins in our lives, but I'm not sure how to interpret these verses. Thanks for the help. And Glenn, if you could start us off. You bet. And I, I'll let these guys uh, uh, d- dissect the specifics of that uh, verse uh, uh, out of 1 Corinthians 5. But the idea behind it is that uh, it's it's saying that you have people uh, in the church that are uh, doing sinful stuff, doing bad stuff. Uh, and, and what Paul is saying is, I do not want you to even eat with these people. But but. But part of what he's trying to say with that is, I'm not talking about people who sin because you'd have to leave the world because everybody there's sinners everywhere. He's saying I'm talking about people who are in the church who are doing something uh, bad and doing something sinful, doing something immoral, but they're excusing it and calling it good and okay and acceptable and all that. That that in that case, 
this is the kind of person that we don't want you to associate with, uh, which is probably, I'm guessing at this point, the exact opposite of what your 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 uh, church folks have in mind. Yep. Uh, that is to say, if you're a sinner and you're in the church, then um, that's A, where you belong, and B, everyone else is a sinner there too. Yeah, right. Uh, there are also going to be people in your church who are doing something simple who may say, God is working on me, uh, but this hasn't come up yet, and uh, if he wants it to come up, then that's fine, and I'll get rid of it. Uh, that is, uh, again, uh, covered by this verse that's the, you know, that, that's saying, you know, uh, the, the, those are people who are working on their walk, and that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about people who are excusing something that's, uh, that's sinful and, and immoral. Uh, but what I want us to look at here is this part of, it seems harsh to kick people uh, out of church. Uh, the, the truth is, you know, you've heard us say on, on the show before, all healthy relationships have boundaries, and this is part of that, that uh, there are people... Uh, I've been in many churches where there's one person there that's just killing the buzz and making yeah. everybody mm. miserable, and uh, they need somebody. That person needs someone to confront them, and th- that person needs to hear, uh, "You need to give us all a big fat break and yeah. relent yeah. on this thing." Uh, but the point of that confrontation is it gives them a choice. Choice A is. Uh, to recognize you have some stuff within you that, that you need to work on that's causing problems within the church, et cetera, and so on. Uh, and you decide, okay, I want to work on that, and then we're patient with you while you work on it, and we figure out what we're going to figure out, and we, we take necessary steps, and that all happens. Option B is for that person to decide, no, I want to be this way, and I want to inflict it on you. And then the decision is, no, no, thank you. Yep. inflicted on someone else. Yep. Uh, yeah. That boundary has to exist. If you have a situation where anybody can work, walk into the church and do anything, eventually here's what's going to happen. The good people are going to get up and leave. Mm-hmm. The messed up people are going to come in, multiply themselves, take over, and that's what the church is going to be. Well, and Glenn, it's worth, uh, can I get you to specify there what you mean by the good people and the messed up people? So yeah, you that's may not a, read that the way people are going to hear Yeah, that. that's a very good distinction to make. Uh, what you want in your uh, church is as many depraved heathens with all kinds of problems and struggles and whatever. That's, that's, you want to reach out to people who are struggling or hurting, who are honest about that. And if you say, hey, I hear you're doing such and such with so-and-so, they'll say, yes, I'm working on that. Yes, I, I have problems in that area. Um, that's different from someone who is living a life where they're doing something wrong and then they're excusing that. In the case of, of uh, the, the, Paul's relationship with the Corinthians, that was a sexual thing. Yeah. Uh, I think you could generalize that out if you wanted to, but uh, the, the, maybe this is the, the, the important point we need to make behind this, is that uh, when we're talking about um, uh, uh, suburban churches, the the number one thing that they have going on that is hurting them is the uh, unconfronted, unrecognized, unacknowledged sin. Mm-hmm. Every suburban pastor that I talk with is almost crippled with the weight of how unbelievably m- much 
sinful things are happening that the people in the church are into that they're not admitting that they're not acknowledging mm-hmm. that they're they're just coming in and pretending like everything's okay as they say in 12-step programs you're only as sick as your secrets and the sickest place on earth is is church on sunday morning for a lot of churches out there the difference in what we do from what a lot of uh, suburban churches do is when you come to to our services it's gangbangers it's ex-cons it's addicts Every, you know just by walking in that room and looking around, everybody in here has a story. Everybody in here has a struggle. So there's no pretending. And I think so. that's, that's more of what this verse may be about if you want to apply it. Uh, last little point, and I'll kick around these other guys. Reputation is important. Uh, the, yes. the ch- so, suburban churches, again, don't focus on that nearly enough. But there are people that I—well, uh, uh, we were just talking about this earlier today. We have a church that we're working with. And uh, in the inner city, and they have an, a, a bishop, a, a, an overseer that's a few rungs up, and this guy does not have a good reputation. Yeah. I cannot be seen and was not seen speaking to that guy in yeah. that church. And I specifically avoided being seen speaking to him because he has a lousy, lousy reputation yeah. within that church and within the inner city community. Now... Having said that, I'm happy to be seen talking to all the gangbangers yeah. in that neighborhood. I want to be seen doing that. I, that's 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 the message I want to send. So, I th- I think that's the, sure. the, where we need to draw those lines. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There is something that makes sense about there, this is not an alien concept to uh, managing relationships and managing people and managing organizations. But we, as in a lot of things with Christian stuff, what we're uh, asked to subvert is our kind of priorities and what how we evaluate things and sometimes the particular things going on in this uh, chapter get uh uh it says the word sex yeah so a lot of people want to use this as a way to say well um if you're doing anything sexually immoral in the incredibly uh narrow boundary in which i as the white male pastor of this uh define something that makes me uncomfortable um i can kick you out of church uh Sometimes one of the ways we can um, get a better handle of what we're doing is to look at uh, a passage like this from a bunch of different angles, isn't it, right, Jed? Absolutely, absolutely. So if you go, uh, you may know this website already, but if you don't, it's a great resource, BibleGateway.com. Mm-hmm. Again, that's BibleGateway.com. And if you go there and you punch in First Corinthians uh, 5, if you read it you know, in the NIV, it's kind of a funky chapter. You know, it's a, there's a lot of weird language and, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff that's kind of funky. So here's what I want to encourage you to do is pull it up in The Message, which is a great translation from mm-hmm. Eugene Peterson. Really good stuff. Read it in The Message. I think it's going to make a lot more sense. Then follow yeah. it up by reading it in The Voice, which is also a really, really good mm-hmm. translation. And The Voice sometimes will include explanatory notes, um, and they have one here, and you want to read that too. For those of you who um, haven't yet just paused to say that podcast and gone and done your homework, which, of course, the good listeners already have, mm-hmm. so we'll proceed. But for those of you who haven't, here's, here's a preview. Here's what's going on. The church in Corinth had issues, yeah. like a lot. And what we had was a situation where a dude was having sex with his own stepmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the church was kind of proud of how tolerant they were. Right, that's right. And how, you know, how cool they could be about things. Hey, it's cool. (laughs) We're cool. Everybody's all cool, bro. And uh, Paul is coming to them and basically saying, this is out of control, crazy behavior. What is wrong with you? The point that he makes, there's a very important phrase. He says, this is a kind of messed up behavior non-believers wouldn't put up with. Exactly. I mean, this would freak out people who aren't Christians, 
Right. What is wrong with you? Right, right, right. So the thing that we the thing that we want to ask, um, there's a few things, of course, but one thing that we want to ask is, are we dealing with parallel situations? Um, yeah. If you're if you're not dealing, you know, if you're trying to say, should we kick this person out of church? Are they involved in something that would make non-believers blush? Right. Because right. if they're not, uh, we may still need to kick them out of church. But that's not really what this chapter is talking about. That's right, right, you know, right. that's yeah. where this begins. That's the context. Is that we're we're dealing with something crazy and out of control. But I want to return to something that Matt said because I think it really gets to the heart of what's often going on when we're talking about church discipline mm. um, and whatnot, which is things that make me uncomfortable. Right. That's actually what we're usually talking about. So a few things we want to note on that. The first is, if you've grown up in a white suburban Christian culture, you have a huge hang-up about anything sexual. Right. You need to know that that's the lens through which you see the world. Mm. You're, in, in America. Yeah. In America. Yeah. If you've grown up in an American white suburban Christian culture, your culture has a extremely distorted, messed up lens about anything mm-hmm. sexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you need to take that into account when you look at things. Um, there is a very well-respected Christian research group called Barna. Um, the Barna Group. They are pollsters and statisticians, and they study on a numerical level phenomenon as it deals with faith and within Christian culture. They partnered with Josh McDowell and released earlier this year an extensive study relating to pornography and um, Christians. And here's what they found is a majority of pastors admit to having had a problem with pornography in their lives. Right. right. I want you to pause and think about that for a second. A majority admit to having had a problem with pornography in their lives. Mm -hmm. If a majority admit it, way, way more have actually had it. That's right, that's right. just the way these things work. Um, we have a way, the Bible does say, and particularly in the book of James, it talks about if you break one part of the law, you've broken the whole law. You know, mm-hmm. and, and from that we get the idea that on a fundamental spiritual level, sin is sin. Right. You know, it's you know, you know one sin is not worse than another. And that is right. true. That right. is true. Practically lived out, it doesn't quite work that way. They, right. they don't all have the same impact. They don't all have the same impact. They don't all have, the, and they don't all merit the same earthly consequences. That's right. That's right. Um, everyone, literally everyone on the planet, is mired to some degree in sexual sin. Mm-hmm. Everyone has lustful thoughts. Right. Everyone. Everyone. If someone who says, oh, I never have a lustful thought is lying to you. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus said that having a lustful thought is exactly as sinful as having sex with someone you're not married to. Right. So There's no th- degrees of those sins. Exactly right. Exactly right. We live in a world where, again, everyone has lustful thoughts, and a majority of pastors will say, no, I've, I've definitely struggled with, with pornography. Right. What that means is we are all messed up. Right. When it comes to sexuality, right. we're, yeah. we all have issues. We all have stuff. If we were going to kick out from church everyone that struggles with sexual immorality, the church would be empty. There would right. be no one in church because that would be literally everyone. Right. What Paul is referencing here, and I know Lee is about to, to get into this in more depth, the context of this is Paul's talking about something that is so far out of bounds, we right. can't possibly be understanding about it. And the proof of that is that non-believers are freaked out by this right. and wouldn't be okay with <laughs> yeah. it. Right, right, right. That's what we're looking at, and we need to have that in mind as we're trying to understand what's being said here. I think that's uh, totally right, and Lee, I will kick to you on that. It's worth pointing out that uh, the heading, if you read this in the NIV, which those aren't in the original text, but they can be helpful sometimes in finding out kind of how scholars throughout the years have considered 
you know, what this thing is about. And the heading on my NIV of 1 Corinthians 5 is dealing with a case of incest. It's yeah. not prescriptive to how to deal with everything in every right. church. It's, uh, you know, uh, instructions to the church at Corinth at this time for dealing with this one thing. And what do those kind of specifics about the culture and the background tell us about how we should interpret this? Yeah, so one of the things that we want to deal with, and, and, and Jed and Glenn have both hit these both of these notes in, uh, in things that they've said is that there was, there were th- some things at stake for the church. So whenever you want to look at like, as Jed said, as Glenn said, everybody in the church is sinful. And so how are we going to deal with all of those things, uh, with everyone's different sins? Well, some people want to deal with the sin in their life. Some people do not. Yeah. Some people want help to work through the the issues that they see in their life. Some people do not want to be approached, confronted, or anything about any of the issues they have. They don't see them as issues, all that kind of stuff. Now, some of those people, you let them come and worship. It's not, you know, they're, they're, some people are tanking their own lives, and you're hoping that one day they're going to open up and they're going to ask for help. That's a situation that we see a whole lot. Um, and, you, you know, you approach people and you offer them help and guidance and all that kind of stuff. Some people don't aren't interested in that. They want to come to the worship service. Fine. Um, but there are other times where someone's sin is affecting um, the, the, the respect of the congregation in the community, um, exactly as Glenn's saying, the respect of these pastors, leaders, whatever. There's also times when people's sin affects the, the family structures of the church, not only the, the family of, the, of believers, but family structures in the church. And these people, exactly as Jed said, they're so proud of how cool they are, man. We're just so cool. It's just, it's just all grace, man. Yeah, we're, we're super we're just progressive, so, bro. We're, we're, yeah, you just don't even know how deep the grace is here. Fine. But here's the problem is, exactly as Jed said, even non-believers are going, incest, Really? Yeah. Um, you l- wait, really? This dude is doing this. His this the disrespect and the breakdown of uh, family structure and and the the and the reputation of this congregation in this city is there. You know, th- this congregation's ability to to work for the gospel. Everything it's all tainted. And so you look at like what is the uh, what's the fallout of what this person is into and we have to there's there are certain things that we have to maintain and so you look at how does this thing that you're into how does it affect the the structure of our believing community how does it affect the other people if you have um, you know, there there are times when we'll find out, like as far as a pastoral staff, we'll find out what somebody's into, and um, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's affecting. You know, there, there's some some dude is 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 a jerk in his home, and it's affecting his wife and his kids and stuff like that. And you know, he's aggressive, he's belligerent, he's you know, belligerent drunk or something like that. And we go to the house, and it's it's kind of a this stops today, everything stops now, and we're going to deal with this immediately. And, and depending on the way that you, that, that you answer us, is that's going to depend on you know, how big this circle has to get. You know? right. And it's a, we are going to confront this, and we're going to deal with it. And, we're going to, and, and this is kind of the attitude that Paul has, is there are certain things that you must confront. And if these yeah. people are, mm-hmm. are saying that they're believers, and it's affecting family structures, it's affecting respect within the community and all that kind of stuff. And I think that another part of this is, uh, another issue here, especially with the way the church in Corinth worked, and the way the church is supposed to work, is that people that were believers in Jesus at this time, they didn't have 
there weren't 16 churches in Corinth to go to. If you right. were a believer in Jesus, this was the church. This was the only place to go. If you, if you believed in Jesus, this is the only place to go and worship. And one of the strategies here is we expel this brother from fellowship so that he gets the point, I've really got to get this out of my life. Mm-hmm. And this is part of my restoration and being part of the family of God is, okay, everyone's telling me we will not tolerate this. This is yeah. not going to be part of our community. Now, that's a little, that's a little different and a, a little more difficult these days. I can tell you this, about, n- <laughs> about 90% of the times that, that we have had to confront somebody about their stuff, they just... They just say sayonara, and they head off to another church, and they inflict themselves on some other congregation. And sometimes you wind up having to follow up with the next church that they inflict themselves upon. But with this situation, part of, just as far as you're saying, Ernie, that you want to understand where Paul is coming from in this, this was a a specific strategy. Jesus talks about the same kind of thing in Matthew chapter 18, where people get a lot of their kind of talk for church discipline and stuff, is... That if the whole church community is saying to somebody, it's time to pump the brakes on this. You've, you've got to stop this if you want to be a part of this. We care about you. We care about the family structure of this place. We care about the respect of this place in the community. It's an important and integral part of us being able to have an impact in ministry in this city. And so you can't do this. And that may be the thing that that changes the tide for this brother because he's got nowhere else to go. Now, that's different these days, but it's definitely a piece and and an integral piece of where Paul's coming from in this argument. Lee, that is so good, man. That's great stuff. And as I'm listening to you talk, the thing that's occurring to me is the dynamic you're describing with church discipline then versus now. And what Paul is describing there is kind of the the modern parallel today actually is the idea of an intervention in addiction Mm -hmm. recovery circles. It's the idea Mm of, you know, the broad circle of your family and friends get together and say, we love you, but we're insisting this has to change. And we can't Uh, enable this behavior anymore. Exactly right. We can't stand by, we can't support this and whatnot. And the funny thing is that can, it isn't always, but that can be very effective, but that looks very dissimilar from in a modern sense what you would think of when you think mm-hmm. of church discipline. Yeah, yeah. yeah it really comes down to, is, is this something that you uh, know you need to work on and are willing to work on it or yeah. not? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worth pointing out. The, it's helpful to look at this as not a, a reaction to the severeness of a type of sin, mm-hmm. but the effect that sin is having exactly. on this body of people. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that helps us come at it from a, le- Paul says, you know, it's not for me to judge the people of the world. That helps us come at it from a less judgmental way and more of a we are trying to do a thing way. Mm-hmm. And if you're actively harming that, it makes sense that we're going to ask you to leave. I think this also ties in something Lee's talking about there. Um, being that you're not the Pope, you're yep. not excommunicating anyone. Yeah. So you, if you, if if you know, so and so's acting out of pocket in the small group, and we say, we kind of all talked about it, and it's just not okay to act that way. So if you're gonna keep that, you got to push on. Um, you're not. Uh, you are not expelling this person from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You're telling mm-hmm. him that he's not working out of the small group, and that's actually a f- far less judgmental thing. But if we mm-hmm. kind of keep the focus on what's actually going on here, I think that helps uh, contextualize some of the stuff. All right, we move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says. Hey guys, so I realize that I'm carrying some bitterness towards God, and while I'm slowly working through it, I'm getting stuck on this thought. It's that God had the power to not let this happen, yet he did. Yet, yes, God got me through it, but couldn't he have stopped this in the first place? And yes, I learned some lessons, but I'm still bitter and hurt about it. Do you have any advice or wisdom? 
thanks and Jen, why don't you start us off? Well, the, the first thing and the most important thing is I'm sorry for what you've been through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we, we don't have a lot of details, but pain is pain, and I'm, I'm sorry for it. And I'm really, really proud of you for being honest about saying I'm kind of mad at God on that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The truth is when you go through hard stuff, you're going to have to deal with that, and uh, your willingness to be honest about that is going to have a, a huge impact on how successful you are in navigating through those rough waters. So we love you and we're proud of you. As you think about this stuff, I think you have three options in how you look at it. Uh, the first is that God doesn't love you. Um, the second is that God is powerless. And the third we'll get into is in a second. Now, those first two feel like throwaways, except actually they're not, because that's what a lot of people including in the church, actually believe. Yeah, Um, that's a sort of a deep-down thought. It's a deep-down thought, but a whole, whole heck of a lot of people in the church... Well, it's definitely a deep-down thought, and it's a thought you don't you don't realize you have until it manifests in exactly the way we're talking about here. Exactly right. Exactly right. If you could give truth serum to people, to a lot of people in the church, and say... Yeah, God loves everybody, but does he actually love you, you mm-hmm. specifically? There's a lot of people in church who say no. Right. Yep. No. And if you can dig it, actually, there are some funky doctrines out there that basically teach that. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. super not scriptural. Right. Uh, right. But, uh, but that the do imply that. The second one is that God is just powerless. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's like a kindly grandfather. He means well, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, he's getting on up there in years and, you know. Um, <laughs> Not always paying attention. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> he, he means well. And again, if you gave truth serum to a whole lot of people in church, uh, particularly a lot of male people, they definitely think that. Mm-hmm. It's, a hey, if it's going to be, it's up to me. You know, I mean, God helps those who help themselves. I got to, you know, uh, yeah. various other statements that aren't in the Bible. Exactly right. But but there's there's a belief. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, the Bible says a lot of things. But if you want to see something happen, it's uh, you really got to, you know, make that thing happen. Mm. So then there's that third option, because, of course, you know that those first two are not what the Bible says. God does love you with an unquenchable fire of love. God is all powerful. Is there anything too hard for me, declares the Lord. That's a rhetorical question question the answer is no god can do anything so then that leaves us with a very difficult third option what is that third option here's what the bible says and i want to propose to you is that god is planning for you and for your life specifically to bring something so amazing out of your specific life that you will someday not today but someday you will look at the difficulties that you went through and you will decide it was worth it Mm -hmm. in order to become the person that i became right let me repeat that for a second the third option is god saying he's got this plan for what he's going to do in and through your life and this plan is incredible it Mm -hmm. is so it's like you couldn't even imagine it which the Bible might indicate somewhere. It's more than you could ask or imagine. And this plan is going to be so amazing, so incredible, so good, that when you see it begin to take shape, you will say, it was worth it. Mm -hmm. It was worth going through the things I went through in order to be the person I got to be and live the life that I got to live. I want to refer you, and I should note before I go on, um, that sounds like an almost mean-spirited thing to say, because Mm -hmm. I don't know what you went through, and uh, it could have been like super, super horrible, so... Who am I to tell you that? Right, right, right. And um, uh, I'm nobody. That's that's mm-hmm. who. Uh, except for one thing is I've actually lived this in my own life. Mm-hmm. And I found mm-hmm. it to be true with my trials and my struggles and my suffering. And if it worked for me, there's a chance it might work for you. 
I think it's something worth thinking about, Mm -hmm. but I can't insist you believe it because I don't know what you've been through. Right, right, right. But it's worked for me. The Bible, particularly in Romans chapter 8, talks a lot about suffering and about where God is in the midst of it and uh, what does it mean and what does it specifically mean for Christians. But there's a verse in particular I'd have you look at, and it's Romans 8.18. And what Paul says is, he says, I'm convinced that these momentary troubles are not worth comparing with the glory that waits to be revealed. Mm. In other words, yeah, we're dealing with rough these, these stuff. These light and momentary troubles. These light and momentary <laughs> troubles. It's yeah. almost nothing. Yeah. It's embarrassing to even mention them in the same breath as the incredible things that I know God right. is going to do. Right. That's in essence what Romans this 8 This is a guy says. dealing with shipwrecks and rocks being thrown at him and uh, being right. whipped and things. And yeah, This is my point exactly. Paul went through the worst stuff I have ever heard of in my life. I mean, mm. elsewhere in the Bible, he gives a laundry list. Of, yeah. of just everything that he went through. I yeah. mean, that dude had a rough life, but he looked at all that God was doing and accomplishing in and through him. He said, it's worth it. I have, right. I have seen and beheld that it's worth it. And of course, we today, we have a vantage point um, that Paul couldn't have had because he lived about 2,000 years ago. Because of Paul saying yes to God's offer in his life, I have hope in my life today because of Paul. I mean, it's because of Jesus, but right. Jesus used Paul to bring that to me. Right. So right, right. Uh, it's it's God did things in in Paul's life that are that would have been unimaginable to Paul, but God God did them, and mm-hmm. it's incredible. You don't have to buy that. It is what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. It's 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 right there in Scripture. You can read it in Romans chapter eight. But what I can tell you again is it's been true in my life. I reached a point very similar to what you're describing of saying I'm so mad at God I can hardly stand it. I don't see how I could possibly see God as loving and powerful given what He's allowed me to go through. And what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. And what I found is the more that I lived into the idea that God wanted to bring something out of that and God wanted to shape me into a certain kind of person that He could use in certain kinds of ways. I can tell you those things were worth it for me. Um, uh, I can't tell you that is true for you, but I encourage you to wrestle with the Lord on that for your own self. Mm -hmm. Take your story to him, talk it through with him, look at those promises and ask, could I begin to believe that could be true for me? And if so, what does that mean? How do I move? How do I live into that? What would the Mm -hmm. next steps be like? And I think you're going to, if you choose to do that, I think you're going to really like what you see. It's absolutely true, and Leah, I'd love to get you to pick up on kind of exactly where uh, Jed left us off, because that's really not the message a lot of us are getting from our our churches and radio station and Christian culture. There's a lot of, um, you know, I'm super happy and blessed, and then something bad happened, and I very quickly went back to being happy, and that's how you know I'm holy, but it's really not what, <laughs> what, it's really not what walking with Jesus is. It's not what Scripture tells us it is either. Yeah, it's this is where a lot of our modern worship songs and and like the the super bible memes that people post and stuff it's all that stuff falls short it doesn't do us any good the really interesting thing is that if we were to lift the words of just the question that you wrote us and do a side by side comparison with actual the the songs that are in the actual songbook of the peop, of God's people the psalms um, you would have a line by line comparison with some of the the greatest songs in that collection yeah i mean your 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 stuff sounds like david it sounds like uh it sounds like asaph it sounds like a lot of these dudes that were writing the songs that that god 's people worshiped God with um, and they are enshrined forever in in the word of god um, and that should be an encouraging thing that um that where a lot of some of this cream puff um, Christianity falls short, 
I'm getting down to where the nuts and bolts, the real work of what it means to know God comes in. Um, the, the, the tough fact, and it's just like Jed is saying, the tough thing is that when you actually read through Scripture, you find out that as frustrating and just as, as, just as awful as it sometimes is to, to, to look at God in the face the way you are and saying, yeah, I learned some stuff. Yeah, I'm still standing, but gosh, I'm pissed. That was that was really hard. Yeah, and I really hated every second of that. Yeah, the really frustrating thing about uh, about that is when you read through Scripture, you find this is the way the dude always works. I mean, yeah. this is you're you're in the company of Abraham and Moses and Jeremiah and David. I mean, and Jesus uh, of, of of Jesus of Peter of Paul of all of these dudes of the Apostle John. I mean, you know, this is. This is the this is the way people who really know God. This is how they get to know Him, and I know that's I know that like when you're in the middle of the way everything feels, that feels like a small comfort. Um, but the cool thing is is that you are right there at the edge of where everybody really wants to go, which is I want to know God. I want to experience a relationship with him. You push, you keep pushing into this, and you're going to find out stuff about him that other people dream about finding out about him. Not only is Jed right that that there's glory that's going to be revealed through all of this, but you get to know God in a way that 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 other people don't, and that's a really really cool thing. As far as advice and wisdom as you're going through this, I would just say one thing, and that is, Jesus. There's something that Jesus says. And I firmly believe that he lived this way. He wasn't, he wasn't just saying, well, for you normal human beings, try this. I firmly believe that he lived this way, that he said, don't give any thought for tomorrow. Jesus, the, the advice of Jesus was, do your life in bite-sized chunks. Um, live where you are. In, in this moment, in this day, if you've gone through, you know, a really, really terrible season and you've been honest with God about that and you've processed, you processed this thing and you've talked about it, you figured it out, whatever, or you're still figuring out, you don't have to lug all of it around with you and you don't have to figure out how you're going to do the rest of your life after this right now. Yeah. What you have to do is figure out what do I need to do in the next hour? Yeah. What do I need to do before I go to bed tonight? Here's what I can promise you. But I don't even know your story or who you are. I promise you that you can do the things that you need to do before you go to bed tonight. I promise you, you've got the horsepower for that. We would love, by the way, uh, hit us back with some specifics. If we want to, if you want to talk about stuff we can write down to get some goals, to get some stuff, because what we need to do is break this just... You've got this huge, crazy-looking life in front of you, and it looks impossible because of everything that you've been through. What we want to do is break that down into day-sized, bite-sized chunks. I know that you've got the courage, the strength, the, the horsepower for doing today. And Jesus said, that's all we need to do. That's all we need to work on. You've been honest with God. That's beautiful. It's all really, really good stuff. If we think past today, we're going to get in trouble. Because we're going to wind up, uh, we're going to wind up ensconced in fears uh, of stuff that we don't even know what's going to happen. But as just as far as advice, that's the one piece I would say is let's look at today. Let's look at the things that you've got to do right now, and it's going to make even though you've been through this backdrop of suffering, it's going to make today a much more accomplishable um, a, a thing that you can get your mind around, that you can get your teeth on. Amen. That's a really solid place to land. And Glenn, if I can get you to pick up for us on this of. Let's um, maybe change the focus a bit of 
one of the ways we can get around some of this stuff is, as this person said, you know, I'm willing to admit that there's are positives that came out of this, but I'm still incredibly angry. And those are actually mm-hmm. uh, not uh, conflicting ideas at all. Yeah. But maybe the way we weight them can kind of kind of helps us move towards a more accepting place. Absolutely right. I mean, I think what you're what you're picking up on uh, with both of these responses from Jed and from Lee are that we would rather be talking about the central problem as opposed to your reaction to the Mm. problem. You say you're bitter and hurt about this, and I say I don't blame you. Yep. Uh, And I uh, would be shocked if God blamed you in any way uh, off of that. Uh, If you were angry and bitter and hurt uh, about being put into a negative situation, I think that would show that you are sane and normal. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're denying those feelings, what you would be doing is setting up a situation where uh, you would not do any learning or growing from that. Well, here's why I say that. Um, when I go, I, I have no idea what you've gone through here. Uh, so I, again, I like Jed. I don't want to compare myself to yourself, but when I have gone through things that I really hated, the struggles that seemed senseless and pointless and mm. uh, unjust and no one is stopping it and I wish someone would stop it and someone would stand up and say something and do something. When I've gone through those circumstances, I have felt bitter, bitter towards the Lord. I have felt angry towards the Lord. And I know on some level all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord and call according to his purpose. I know somebody's going to tell me that. I already know that. I'm already thinking that. I already have that in my head. God's going to use this for some sort of good. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Sure. Whatever. But my thought, my, my sense of this thing is that uh, I want to go to God and say, God, you didn't have to put me in this tough circumstance. Mm-hmm. I gladly and happily would have learned this lesson if you had just uh, (laughs) sent an angel down or whatever. Glenn, be more patient. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Uh, Good word. Yeah, and I would just do it. I would just be patient, you know. Um, But then as I'm issuing that statement to the Lord, I would happily grow and do all the right things assigned to me. I recognize I haven't actually asked for any of that information, basically, ever, and that I haven't really grown uh, unless I had something Forcing negative. To. Yeah, yeah, until there was something going on. Uh, it, it, and this is kind of how life works. In order to develop stronger muscles, you have to get into the gym and lift weights. That That's a painful right. thing, you know. Uh, and the Lord, uh, in his wisdom, knows that he takes us through these struggles uh, to take us from uh, from weakness to strength, and, and that that saves us suffering in, in later points in our life, that we have certain strength that allows us to have certain reactions to situations. And uh, by avoiding those negative situations, in the long run, we have a lot less pain in our lives. Uh Really, what I think about this situation is really a bottom line. You, you've heard us mention this on the podcast as well, that essentially what's what's taken away is normal. You don't yeah. have normal anymore. You, your life, if you have a, had a really bad, negative, senseless trauma in the middle of it, it's either going to make 
you're going to make a choice where this will either make you extraordinarily strong or extraordinarily weak. You know, normal's not not on the table. Okay, well, um, you've heard us say that part before, but here's the part I want to add to that, which is I think it's okay to mourn the loss of normal. Uh, it may not be much to lose, but uh, you, that was the dream, you know. If I can't have something extraordinary, at least I can have something normal. Now now you can't have something normal. And being extraordinary is kind of a lot of work, and I don't want to put in that work, and maybe I'd rather be normal. So, you know, forget that. You know, so I think uh, uh, it's okay to go to God and say, I'm really angry that I don't have normal anymore, yeah. and I'm angry that I have to be this extraordinary person, apparently, to survive <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. And I think God uh, is, is going to shock you with how understanding he will be on that and how much uh, he actually grieves for your pain in the middle of that situation despite the fact that uh, in in the very large big picture of things it's, it is for you good. I think it's a lot of fantastic stuff. I think it's worth pointing out here um, even as we talk about this thing where you know the good comes with the Romans 8.28 thing which mm. you know you legally should be able to smack anyone in the mouth who responds to you describing your real problem with, well, you know, Romans 8.28 says... In yeah. all things. Mm, mm-hmm. Not some of the things, Jed. All mm. the things. Is it most Is of the things? Is this a thing? <laughs> no, this thing you're going through now? Uh, it's probably going to be good, so just, you know, take your feelings and just, you know, shove them aside. Uh, but the thing on that is what we're not saying, what nobody should be saying is, well, okay, this really bad thing happened to you, but something good's going to come out of it, so it all balances yeah, out. Yeah, it's all cool. You're basically back to zero. Yeah, God, there's uh-huh. you know, there's, ways, a, there's a debit in the suffering account. Now there's going to be a credit in the suffering account. You know, don't worry about it. But as, as all these guys are saying, the the one thing you that is not an option is, and is not particularly helpful, is wishing for a world in which this didn't happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can uh, work through the fallout of kind of where, where you are now. You can work through the fallout of what that means for you and God, which is, that's all very useful. As Lee pointed out, we're more than happy to be part of that process. But the one thing that's not going to help is living, is saying, well, if this had never happened, then then X, Y, Z would be different, because that's that's not kind of the reality we live in. And God is the God of the, the kind of the one place that God can't really... Uh, work in is your hypothetical situations in which yeah. he did yeah. not do things. Yeah. So again, we know that's painful. We're not trying to discount that. And we know that all the things, as all these guys have said, just all the things you're thinking and feeling in this are totally normal and totally makes sense. But the thing that really separates people who uh, grow and move on and kind of get stronger situations and people who kind of keep spinning their wheels is how much time they spend on that wishing that certain things hadn't happened. So yeah. It's it's not as scary as you think to push through it. We know you have it in you. Removing our final question here. It came in anonymously, and it says, first of all, I live, that's all caps, people, you think, I don't know, when you're writing in all caps, I don't have the enthusiasm inside of me <laughs> right, to man. express the all caps, but I'm doing the best I can. Okay, sure. okay. I live, by the Say That podcast, nice, I mean, here it comes again, all caps, I need... It in my, I just, I'm just yelling. That's not what that's enthusiasm right. that's is. That's right. That's not Again, I'm doing, doing what I can with what I got. In my life, I go to the Bridge Podcast. You do as well. Well, I thank you very much. On, available on iTunes. comes out every Monday. Ooh, Thebridgepodcast.podbean.com. Nice. My question is, what do I do about my family? I just found out that my dad is cheating on my mom, and I don't even know what to do. He's never really been there for my sister and me, or my mom, but he's my dad, you know? And I don't really know what to do with any of this. Please help. And Lee, why don't you kick us off here? Um, I'd love to thank you for uh, writing into us and kind of trusting us with your story. Um, 
this super duper sucks. Yep. And yep. I'm sorry that you're going through it. Unfortunately, um, I happen to know what this feels like because this, um, I, I walked through this. And so number one, I have to like, I have to kind of like not say all of the things I want to say because this podcast would get way, way too long and it would become a series. Um, but if you would like to just talk to somebody, you can reach out to me uh, personally and and we can kind of talk through this together because I have walked through this personally and it sucks. It's disorienting. It's like sickening, bewildering um, news. And here's the thing. And I, I do have some, some kind of pointed pieces of advice, some, some stuff that helped me walk through this this time in my life. Um, and that is, first of all, and I, I hate to even give you this advice, but it's helpful. Um, and that is be prepared as you walk through this to find out more crap about your parents. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I hate to say that because it's not what you want to hear right now. Cause you feel like, well, I've already heard the worst news that I could possibly hear. Um, the chances are very, very good that you've only heard a little piece of, of the brokenness of your parents' relationship. Yeah. And the pieces are going to be falling over the next few months. And I know that doesn't feel good to hear me say that, but um, just in my own experience and in, in, in years of counseling other families and couples and, and kids through this kind of stuff, um, the pieces are going to keep falling. And so it helps if you're prepared to, to find out all kinds of craziness that you never even would have imagined was the deal with your family. Uh, that you didn't know about. Uh, I may be wrong on that. Um, chances are very, very good I'm not wrong on that. Um, and it helps to be prepared. The next thing I would say, and and Glenn used this this word uh, in a really great way in the last answer, and so um, it, it's super appropriate here too, but what you're going to go through now is a time of mourning where you mourn what you thought your family was, uh, who mm-hmm. you thought your dad was, what you thought your folks' marriage was. Um, that's what you're going through. It, it feels like a loss feels. It feels like you're at a funeral service. And because the, the people you thought you had um, in your life, you have now found out they are not those people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a sucky feeling. And, um, and, it, and, and the deal is, is that the pain of that is a really long process. And so I would, I would encourage you not to get in a hurry trying to figure all that out or dissect all those feels or, or get over all of it. You just need to work on that a little bit at a time. Just try to take that a little bit at a time. And the, the last thing, and there's a whole lot, <laughs> there's a whole lot I could say about this, just having walked through it. But the last thing I would say is that um, if you, if you go through something like this, um, the, and this specifically deals with something in your question, you get to decide what your relationship with your dad is now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an important thing for you to know. You have the dignity of deciding what kind of relationship with, you're going to have with your dad. You, you need, this needs to be said. You don't owe your dad anything off of this. Right. And, uh, and sometimes not, not all, not all parents would do this. Not all moms and dads that get busted in this kind of situation would do this, but some would try to say, Hey, listen, I'm your parent. So you owe me this relationship and things need to be just as unchanged as they ever were. I have the same place in your life. Well, no, they don't because trust and respect are things that are earned. Um, love is a gift we give people trust and respect is something that is earned. 
And it's not something that you have to give away for free. And you shouldn't. Yeah. So if you if you go through this time and you feel like, you know, you know, Dad, what's best for me and you is that we have kind of a surfacey relationship and, you know, we hang out at, you know, at 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 holidays or whatever the deal is and, and all that kind of stuff. But but I'm not getting my marriage advice from you and I'm not getting some of my life advice from you and stuff like mm-hmm. that because you really kind of lost that place in my life, whether or not you roll it out like that. If you decide that's the kind of relationship that, that is going to be best for, for you guys moving forward, you have the dignity and the right to insist on that relationship and set up those boundaries. You do not um, owe your dad this you know, the exact same place he's always had in your life. Now, I'm not trying to tell you how to roll that out. I just want you to know that because your trust was infringed upon as well, that this is something that you get to think through, pray through, and work through. You don't have to do it in a certain way just because, in quotes, he's my dad, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, There's so much more that could be said, and these guys are going to hit some great notes. But again, if you just want somebody to reach out and talk to as you're working through the pieces of this, please feel free to to get in contact with me directly. And if if you don't know how to do that, you can get in touch with Matt on the Say That email, and and he can get you in touch with me. Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to do that on any questions, but particularly on this one. And Jed, I'd love to go to you next. Um, I think Lee brings up a very important point there that this is not going to be a clear-cut thing in likelihood. This is um, probably one of the outcomes is not going to be um, I find out a certain amount of information that makes it super easy to forgive my dad and we move on so that nothing happened. And the answer is probably not going to be I I, uh, declare him dead to me and burn all photographic evidence and never push probably going to land somewhere in the middle, and that that leads to a certain nuance that Christians tend to have a hard time with of there are some good things about this person and some bad things about this person, and right. both of those are true at the same time. So yeah. how, do we, how do we create a headspace for that if we've never done it before? Man, that's a great question. Uh, well, I can tell you exactly the kind of person that your dad is, which I think is part of what you're trying to, to figure out here. Your dad's a sinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what he is, mm-hmm. which it turns out is actually the, the same as all of us. Um, yeah. And you're, you're trying to think, you know, how do I figure, how do I think of him? How do I conceive of him in light of, of, his, of his sins? Uh, you think of him as a sinner. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how you conceive of him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, understand, the advice I'm about to give you is not advice I would want to hear in your situation. Um, it, it will work and it'll be really useful, um, but we may want to remember it and save it for later. Because right now you have a right to just be angry and rant. And I think mm-hmm. you, you owe it to yourself to, to do that. But when it comes time to say, you know, we need to figure out this relationship with my dad and, and a big part of this, who is he to me? How do I conceive of him? I want to suggest a fairly radical idea when you think about your dad. And, and here's the idea is to decide that what he has done is at the same time completely wrong, absolutely 100% wrong, and yet makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that for a second. The radical idea is this. Decide that this thing he has done is completely wrong. I mean, massively, to the nines, wrong. And at the same time, makes total sense. Here's why that's important. All sin makes sense to the person who's caught up in it. To the person doing the sinning, the sin makes perfect sense. And if you could see it from their point of view, it felt like pretty much the only option they had. 
It's their best guess. It's mm-hmm. their best guess. In to them, in that moment, in that situation, it was about as good of an idea as they could come up with, mm-hmm. more or less. Mm-hmm. Now that's a an almost offensive idea, and you never hear people talk about that in church. But as someone who works with like really talented sinners day in and day out, I can tell you that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whether someone's caught up in decades of addiction or has done unspeakable violence or other things, it made sense to them in that moment. Right, and it seemed on some level like the right way to go. It, this is an extreme example, which helps make the point. It seems like something you would never have outside of a movie, but at least I imagine Lee as well, but all three of us in Chicago have heard the phrase, I mean, I didn't want to kill him. Right. Absolutely right. right. But I just didn't feel like I had any other options in that yeah, moment. I had to. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a phrase, I was talking with a friend recently, there's a phrase that, that might be new to young people, but it's super useful. And the phrase is, there but for the grace of God go I. It's a phrase you hear in addiction circles. It's old-fashioned, but what it means is if I were in that person's shoes facing the same things they were facing, the same, same everything, the odds are pretty dang high I'd do the same thing that they did. Yeah. Um, you know, they're really uh, – because I'm a sinner too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what this proves is they're a sinner, and I know I'm a sinner too. I want to add one more quick thing just, just as you think about this. And I want you to remember this for your own life. Falling in, uh, falling into sin is more often about not knowing your limitations – than it is mm-hmm. about being naughty, right? Sin is, is, it's a trap. And the godliest people I know are also the most aware of what traps are likely to snare them. Mm-hmm. So they stay super, super clear of those traps. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. When people fall into a, you know, kind of a big sin, so to speak, and we talked just a moment ago, there, there, there aren't really big sins, but when, when people fall into what we think of a, bi- of a big sin, they didn't jump there from nothing. Right. It was a series of one little not a big deal decision after another little not a big deal decision over and over and over. And they wound up doing something they would never expect that they would wind up Yeah, at. no one's really walking out of the Starbucks and says, you know what? I think meth and hookers. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. I think it's, I had the latte, and I think it's time for that now. Yeah. So the thing, as you think about your dad, as you think about your own life, and again, all this actually relates to our first question today, um, is recognizing if I don't keep myself in check on the little decisions, I will go farther than I think possible to. Right. There before the grace of yeah. God go I. So um, when I think about this person and the box that I put them in, it's that they are a sinner. That, that's what we're dealing with. And from there, I can figure out what kind of a relationship makes sense moving forward. I think it's absolutely right. And Glenn, I'd love to kick over to you on this. Uh, one of the things that means is we have to... It's it's not what you don't have to do anything because we said you're in a, a statement of working this through. But it sounds like where our friend Dwight's question is already is they kind of want something good to come out of this or just right. as Lee pointed out. But he's my dad. Says there's a certain kind of relationship I'd like to have with my father, which right. uh, is we all understand that. That makes total sense. It sounds like uh, as Jed's alluding to here, part of what's going to have to go on here is you're going to have to have a a kind of more holistic view of who your dad is and yeah. right. what that That's relationship exactly right. can be, mm-hmm. which again, sounds like a bummer because as much as it's unhealthy, we talk about a lot on the podcast, we all have this nagging idea that the really good relationships should be the ones that take no work and have no boundaries and mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. are uh, with the soft music and the montage. But so what we're doing is okay. Some, my dad is this kind of dude who did these kind of things. And I have these kind of several conflicting feelings for him, but I think, and you tell me, expand on this. If we can get to the place where we're willing to accept all that, that is our best shot at a some sort of healthy relationship going forward, right? Well, absolutely right. I, a part of what I'm hearing in the way this question is worded is this was not a good father in the first place. 
mm-hmm. in terms of the care and mm-hmm. the, 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 the involvement and so forth, so on. And I think it's an absolutely great point. I think it's worth pointing out. It's okay to be pissed at your dad about that stuff before yes. the cheating even comes in. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's the big key here. Sometimes when you have a big thing, it obscures the quote-unquote little thing underneath it that's actually driving more of the problem. Which is, if he's a neglectful father, then forget about the cheating. The, the neglectful father is already putting him in a certain category. Right. But the "but he's my dad, you know" statement sounds a bit like what uh, in, in psychological circles they call playing the martyr. In mm. other words, being the family member who says, "Well, but he's our dad, so you know we have to." No, no, mm. no, 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 no. We don't just have to yeah, anything. Uh, that's that's not a Christian role yeah. in this thing at all. Uh, it also means it does not mean that 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 everything that happened before this is a lie. You know, yeah. you have the thing about parents breaking up is you have a lot of happy memories of them parenting you together as a couple, and now that they're going to you know have problems, or you know now that they have problems, it makes all that past feel like a lie. Like yeah. they they didn't really love you that way and they didn't love each other that way and there is no love in the world blah 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 that's not the case here i mean marital uh, uh people people in marriage have problems uh things happen uh human beings do uh, we're not excusing anything but uh but i want to get back to what what jeff was really talking about this difference between irresponsible and incapable yeah there are people it, most in other words what jet is saying is our action really flows out of who we are. If your dad is just not capable of being a good dad, if he doesn't have the maturity, the development, whatever it is, who knows, if he hasn't dealt with his issues enough, whatever is holding him back from not being a good dad, if he hasn't dealt with those things, he kind of can't be a good dad. That's different, very different from uh, situations uh, where... Uh, you know, it, it, you know, if the guys on this podcast, if you were to follow us uh, after this, we'll go out and get McDonald's. We'll sit down. We'll talk about different people we know, different struggles they have. But what's funny is we'll we'll talk about here's a person who had uh, everything and everybody in their life pushing them in a positive direction. And somehow, says nope. They just said nope and went the opposite, and just it did not tap into any help or any encouragement or any anything. They they just overruled all that in order to destroy their lives. And yet, here's this other person where everything's pushed them the wrong way. Yeah. And yet, somehow, they managed to uh, find a way to fight against all that in order to do the right thing. Well, I, I think it's it's important to recognize uh, what kind of situation your dad is in and, and, and what kind of a dude he really is. You can't just say, well, he's my dad. I have to just X. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fair and good and right and Christian of you to take an honest inventory of what kind of a duty he is and to be able to say at some point, he should not have had children because this guy does not know how to be a father to anybody, and he's not able. He doesn't have the horses. He doesn't have the capability within himself. He must develop himself, and he is responsible for developing that. He's he's irresponsible off of the fact he did not work on himself on that those things, and he needs to get after that, and that's that's where the, the problem lies. But I can't hold a person who has a, a sickness or a... a, a a struggle in their life, I can't say 
you should have done X instead, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever, if you know that person isn't capable of mm-hmm. that. Uh, again, all of this sounds like we're trying to make excuses for your dad. We're not. We we're not. super are not. We're saying this is absolutely 1,000% wrong. In fact, I want you to think it's more wrong than I think you think it is. Yeah. Forget about its dad. It's wrong all the way. If it was somebody else's right. dad, you wouldn't think twice about how wrong this is. Your, the fact that he's your dad means it's less excusable. It's less understandable. But my point is that at the end of the day, it's important to figure out what box to put this in. And if you can look at your dad and say, this is the kind of guy he is. And yeah. he, until he changes, this is what he's going to do from here on in. That gives you a way to grieve this and mourn this and, and work through it. It's absolutely right. I would I would point to take us out by pointing to something you said there, which is very important, which is you don't actually have to do anything. Yeah, there's yeah. you don't have to forgive him because he's your dad. Right. You also don't have to hate him forever because he cheated on your mom. Yeah, right. you can feel whatever you're feeling right now. And again, we have some guesses based on dealing with a lot of this stuff where you might be uh, pre-tempering those feelings one way or the other, but. You can feel however you feel. You can push through that. You can deal with it. And then, again, as we talk about a lot in the show, the point of dealing with your emotions is so you can have them dealt with and get them out of the way and then look at what we got here. Right. If right. that's, uh, I this dude has you know hurt me and hurt my sister and hurt my mom, and I absolutely hate his guts, we can get it out of the way. And then when he comes in and says, you're going to come over to my place for Christmas, and you say, well, I've never had a positive experience around this person, so... No. Right. Yeah. Or he can, well, you know, I'm just, you want to go to dinner sometime? You can pray it up and say, I'm going to, okay, this is a, this seems like a reasonable amount of effort and he's reaching out and I'm going to try it. The point is, the main point I want to make here is whatever decision you make today does not have to be your decision for the rest of your life. Amen. That's right. Yes. So there's no need to rush to one. That's so right. So well, you free, have you forgiven your dad? No. Not right. yet. Right. We'll right. see where we are tomorrow. That's right. That's all That's perfectly right. valid. And to say, you know, I don't know how to do with this. That's because it's complicated. Yeah, that's and right. And you don't get yeah. to that by having, as Lee pointed out at the beginning, you don't, we're not going to get where we're going by having the big proclamation of either I have decided this is forgiven or I have decided I hate this person, whatever. You know, d- deal with things as they come up and that's how you get them. And you can use all the wisdom these guys just gave you to do that. And that's how you find a place to land. So right. it's a lot of fantastic stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out the song this week. This is a, a worship favorite by Jed. It deals with a lot of stuff we're talking about the show this week. This is called, a song called Not a Judge. Very yeah. cool song. We're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, the favorite podcast of great-grandmothers everywhere. Oh! Yeah. So great. <laughs> I'm not a judge and I'm not the police. Father, I'm your child. You're the one that chose me.